Hey, welcome to our weekly three-minute therapy podcast with me, Dr. Michael Edelstein, clinical psychologist, and my co-host, Mick Berry, rationally motive behavior therapy expert and author. And uh, today we're going to be speaking about semantic precision, but let me explain briefly what REBT is it's rational emotive behavior therapy, and that refers to a type of therapy devised by Albert Ellis in the 1950s, and that was a groundbreaking approach to therapy and says it's not your childhood that causes your emotional problems today, but rather it's your thinking today, particularly irrational thinking, thinking in terms of must, should, supposed to's and have to's rather than thinking in terms of only preferences, desires, wishes, and hopes. And if you feel anxious, depressed, angry, or you're addicted, that comes from thinking in terms of must. There are three main musts. I must do well and get approval. You must treat me well, and my life must go easily. So look for your must, look for your should when you are uh, experiencing some of these emotional disturbances. Today we'll be speaking about semantic precision, and we're revisiting that. And semantic precision is based on the idea that your language uh, your words and your language cause your emotions, so it's important to use precise language and to try to avoid speaking in terms of musts and shoulds. Rather than I must do well, it makes more sense to think and speak in the way of I strongly prefer to do well. So question, challenge, dispute, and uproot your musts and uh, change them to preferences. Mick, did you have something you want to say about that? No, you covered it all. End of program. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's something because I believe I said before, I probably quoted Mark Twain, the right word is the difference between lightning and lightning bug. And that's when you're writing. And of course, semantic precision, if you want to be a good writer, is important when you write. And I believe I said this, my sister pointed out the most, and she's a was a journalist for a while. Now she's a college professor. But she pointed out the most important semantic precision is the way you think, because your thoughts do <coughs> influence, highly influence. In fact, they determine your emotions. Would you say that's correct? Your thoughts don't just influence, but they determine your emotions? Uh, yeah, well, I would say uh, largely determined, but there are other things along with uh, your language and your thought that influences your emotions. So there. In, in other words, I could eat something that upsets my stomach and I could be feeling bad. But then my thoughts around physically feeling bad would be, well, that's still what determines my emotions. How, how could we, what is an example of something that is not a thought 
that influences your emotions then? Uh, well, there are genetic predispositions which influence your thought. So there, I was saying there are various influences on your thought. Uh, yeah, well, genetic predisposition, there will still be a thought manifested. And so the thought connected to that, I suppose you're saying you could have a predisposition towards depression, but then there would be thoughts connected to the depression. And so you could change your thoughts and then eliminate or reduce change the depression. Would that be yeah. correct? Yeah. Yeah. So the way we think really in the semantic precision with our thoughts is so influential on the way we feel and then the way we behave and act. And there has been a common catchphrase about something that triggers somebody, you know, oh, that triggered me. Well, actually nothing triggers us it's how we think about it in other words you could tell me that you think i'm a fool but i don't necessarily feel like a fool just because you tell me you think i'm a fool you could even say you're a fool if i don't think i'm a fool i'm not going to feel foolish or you could say you someone could go so far as to say you have no reason to live and if i don't if I think I've got a reason to live, doesn't matter what in the world anybody else says. So it's my thoughts that determine the way that I feel. I once was leading a smart recovery meeting, which uses rational behavioral therapy. And there, no, I was attending one. And the man, just because I wanted to educate myself, and the man leading it talked about a friend of his whose husband had had a problem with heroin addiction and she was worried about saying something that could make him start shooting heroin and he astutely pointed out even if you told your husband go shoot heroin those words don't make him shoot heroin he is choosing to shoot heroin unless you tie him down and inject it in him yourself you're never anything you say cannot make him go shoot heroin there might be something that's more helpful or harmful or more difficult for him but he is still the one that would be doing it so you don't need to worry about your words that much regarding him regarding ourselves i think our words are highly important yeah yeah and it's not only our words but the meaning behind our words no oh, good point you can so, elaborate on that? Yeah. So if I say, if I'm feeling anxious because I, I'm telling myself I need your approval, and I say, well, I don't need your approval, I just prefer your approval. Well, I said it right, but unless underneath I'm thinking, but I really do need your approval, then I'll still feel anxious. So just changing your words isn't going to do it. It means changing the meanings behind those words right and conversely if i tell myself well i had an awful day if by awful i simply mean quite difficult and many things didn't go the way i wanted it to go but i can still accept it it's no big deal to use the word awful but if i am using the word awful in the sense of something that i can't stand then that would be what would make me feel bad. So I agree, it's the meaning behind the words, 
our REBT generally deals with words, but I think often we are, the words we use are self-explicit. However, I'm realizing not necessarily, I've talked with people and they'll say something like, I can't stand it. And I'll say, well, what do you mean by I can't stand it? Okay, what does that mean? Let's analyze that and be semantically precise with those words, okay? You actually can stand something and saying you can't stand it. Do you mean that you're going to blow apart and disintegrate and evaporate? No, you won't do that. So you can stand it and it's getting out of the meaning of something more than I can handle and I have to have it be otherwise. Yeah, I know. And uh, similarly, if someone says, I can't stand it, they could mean, I just don't like it at all. And they're just uh, not speaking semantically precise. Right. Yeah. So I think that, well, here, how, how detailed is it good for us to be with semantic precision? Because I think it gets to a point where, well, that seems to be about as precise as I could get. Okay, I'll live with that. So do we stop analyzing our semantics and just say, okay, that seems to be precise enough? Well, whenever it seems to you that it's worth it. So, for example, some people easily use words like must and should, and it works for them, so they have no need to try to speak semantically precise and say, I prefer this, or it would be better if uh, it works for them. So I think where you start is how you feel, and if someone feels fine saying, I should do this, or I have to do that, uh, then that's okay. I like to try to be semantically precise no matter what, whether whether it affects my emotions or not. So, for example, I rather than saying I should leave at one o'clock to get to the airport by two, that's really fine. But I like to say I prefer to leave at one in order to get to the airport at two. I don't have to. I could miss the plane. It won't be the end of the world. Uh, so it depends on what works for you and what you prefer. Does that make sense? Yeah, and hanging out with you, I have found that by being that semantically precise, as you just mentioned, it gets me into a habit of cultivating semantically precise thoughts so it's even easier to apply REBT. I personally would rather use the words, I had best get to the airport by one o'clock. Is that what you said, or am I making myself late for the plane? I forget the time. Um, So I had best get to the airport by one o'clock rather than I prefer, because to me, prefer is not a very passionate word. Yeah, I prefer it, but I had best. That gives me a lot of incentive to really get going and push myself to, okay, let's do it. There's more passion in the words I had best. And now I think we're just discussing what the meaning of those specific words mean for us. Yeah, exactly. And I like the word you use, Mick, habit. You get into the habit 
if you try to speak semantically precise, even when it doesn't affect your emotions, just to have the practice of doing that and you get into the habit, then you're more likely to have deep meanings of preference and think in terms of preference and catch yourself when you have a uh, psychopathological should or must. So uh, I recommend getting into the habit, and I try to do that as much as possible. Yeah, I think that's a good practice also. I think it's good to develop emotional acuity and to be able to nail the shoulds as they come up because they are going to come up. And as Albert Ellis said, our goal is not to be 100% rational, but largely so. Now, that's semantically somewhat imprecise. What does largely so mean? Well, most of the time, that's still semantically imprecise. Uh, however, what I take that to do for me is throughout the day, if I'm driving my car and somebody cuts me off, to watch it if I get angry at them and look on that as an, a chance for me to practice being more rational and say, well, they have the freedom to be inconsiderate towards me as long as it doesn't physically harm me. They get out of my life, I'm done with them, so I don't need to worry about that. So throughout the day, I'm able to be semantically precise in my thoughts of how I react to certain situations that I have no control over. Yeah, that's a good point. And I try to do the same thing, especially when I make mistakes or do poorly, I try to remind myself I'm just an imperfect human who acts imperfectly, not a worthless failure. So, yeah, uh, that's a good and practice. Decades ago, I took Albert Ellis's uh, instruction of we don't want to be 100% rational, but largely so. We know if we demand ourselves to be 100% rational, that's the craziest thought you can have. I must be rational. But I used to just figure, ah, if I get angry at somebody when I'm driving, that's that. I don't need to worry about it. But then talking with Albert Ellis's widow, Debbie Joffe Ellis, I said to her, it seems to me to be somewhat neurotic to be checking my thoughts throughout the day. And she said, it's not neurotic, it's mindful. And I thought, hmm, as long as I don't demand myself to never have irrational thoughts, I can go after them throughout the day. I'm in my car, I'm driving anyway, what else am I doing? Okay, here's a chance for me to eliminate that irrational thought in this moment. Yeah, and wanting to be 100% rational is okay, and it could be a motivator. It's just demanding I must be 100% rational is very irrational. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that that requires a lot of, well, I'll say emotional maturity or development to be able to say, I want to have something that I'm not going to get. I still want to have it, and I'm going to strive for it, and I will not achieve it, but that's okay. I simply want to have it, and I will benefit as I will get better and better at being rational. As we know, the more we practice something, the better we get at it, providing we practice it correctly, and that is one of the important aspects of semantic precision. It allows us to practice REBT correctly. Yeah. Okay, Mick, I'll give you the last word. Was that your last word? I think that was it, yeah. Yeah, okay. I think we covered that pretty much from beginning to end. 
So uh, just to conclude, I'd like to thank Chris Rossini, our tech engineer. Please comment below if you have thoughts about what we discussed, semantic precision or anything else. Mick? Yeah, I just thought of one last word. Yeah. Practice, practice, practice. As Albert Ellis has said, everybody I know who tries RBT and concludes it doesn't work does not practice it. it as I've heard Albert Ellis say, it's simple, but it's not easy. So I wanted to throw that in. Okay. By the way, uh, Mick does a pretty good impression of Albert Ellis, but if you want to see Albert Ellis himself, you can go to YouTube and put in Albert Ellis, and you'll see uh, some YouTubes of him speaking. And give us a thumbs up if you uh, like this uh, discussion. Suggest subjects that you'd like us to cover. Volunteer if you'd like to be a guest with us. And I'm always trying to recruit people to be volunteers. And subscribe to the Three Minute Therapy Podcast to do what, Mick? To stay on the rational side of life.